If you've got your Bibles, show me the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. I want to speak to you this morning on this thought. I want my passion back. Say that with me. I want my passion back. Let's say it one more time. I want my passion back. Very familiar scripture, and I've preached out of this, this text before, but not, I don't believe in this, in this mode. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The Bible says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to, and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. That was a good day, wasn't it? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had unity. Verse 45 says, They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. I want my passion back. Rick Warren made a statement several years ago, and this is what he said. He said, the key for churches and for growth in the churches is not necessarily uh, uh, not growth, but it's church health. That's the key, church health. Because he said, when a church is healthy, it will grow automatically. You don't have to make them grow. It'll just grow automatically. Since a church is a living organism, it's natural for that church to grow. If it's healthy. The body, the church body, is not a business, but it's an organism. Not an organization. It's alive. If a church is not growing, then it is dying. If a healthy church is a growing church, then it stands to reason that the church will only be as healthy as every individual that attends the church is. Now, let me stop there. If you didn't get that, let me back up just a little bit. If we want to have a growing church, we have to be a healthy church. But the church can only be healthy as long as every individual, you put your name in its place, every individual is healthy as well. And when people in the church are healthy, then the church will be healthy as well. A church only grow as each member is growing in his faith or her faith. And so we've got to ask ourselves a question here. How healthy am I? How spiritually healthy am I? How do I know if I'm growing in my faith? George Gallup done a survey of 13,000 people in 130 countries. It was a survey of people who used to go to church, but they no longer attend church. There were a number of questions in the survey, but one of the questions was asked was this. What would need to happen for you to go back to church? 
Now, when you think about this, 13,000 people were surveyed, over 130 countries. What would have to happen if, to get you to go back to the church? The number one answer is this, is that when I go back to church, I want to see passion in the hearts of the people. Now, I don't know about you, but that cut me when I read that. That bothered me a little bit. Because what that told me, Sister Mavis, is, is that people in the church that love God, that's supposed to be saved, that's supposed to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's supposed to have everything going for them, they don't have passion. And for me to get to ready to go back to church, when I go back to church, I want to know and I want to see passion in the hearts of the members and the leaders. What people wanted to see, basically, was what they sang about all morning long was a fire. They wanted to see a zeal. They wanted to see an enthusiasm among Christians that made going to church meaningful. Now, I want to do something a little different this morning, and I may get into trouble about this. I don't know, but I want to, I want to do something a little different this morning that we've not done on a Sunday morning. I want you to do your best, whoever you may be in this house today, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're in this main floor, I want you to think back of how you felt when the Lord came into your heart. I want you to think back of what of things that may be in your life that once you give your heart to the Lord, maybe healings that you received, maybe miracles that you received, maybe, maybe God just showed up out of nothing and done something just supernatural and how it made you feel. And I want you to try your best to put that between one and seven words. Somebody said, oh me. Put that between one and seven words, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about that. Oh, I got some guys. Pastor is going to help me, Pastor Dad, and, and Brother Pastor David here, and I got Brother Kyle up in the, in the Crow's booth up there. That's going to help us. Now, I don't want to waste a lot of time here. So if you've got that in your mind, what did, what did, what did I feel about? I want you to give me a one-word phrase or a seven-word phrase or somewhere around about that. I don't want you to testify. I don't want you to preach for 30 minutes, but I just want to let everybody know how you felt about a miracle that has taken place, a salvation that come into your life, something that God done for you. How, what, how did it make you feel? Come on, stand up, guys, David and, and Dad and Kyle. Stand up and get the microphone ready. Raise your hand if you're ready to speak. Real quick, here we go right here. Joyful. Joyful, all right. Somebody else. Y'all too slow. Got some in the back. Right over here. All right, hurry up. Released. Released. All right. Peaceful. What is it? Peaceful. Peaceful. Excitement. Excitement. All right. Happy. Happy. Got anybody in the balcony? Got some more down here. Love. What was it? The love of God. The love of God. One more time. Love. Love. Grateful. Grateful. Deliverance. Anybody else? God just done some supernatural stuff for you. Well, you, want to, you want to say something? How did it make you feel about it? Anybody else? We're talking about passion here. So it made us feel joy. It made us feel love. It made us feel relief. It made us feel, you know, we don't stress out anymore. We're, we're not stressed whatsoever. Anybody else? Got, some, got another hand up? Hungry. What was it, Sister Eloise? Hungry. We heard Brother Sam cried like a baby. <laughs> you don't need no microphone. All right. Peace that surpassed all understanding. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. How many of you ever felt like that you had just the weight of the world lifted off of you when God showed up? How many of you have you heard these statements before in church? I felt like, Pastor, I could walk on clouds. 
I felt like that all the weight in the world was lifted off of me. When the Lord showed up and he'd come in and he'd done what he'd done, man, I felt like I could run all over this place. How many knows when you're in the middle of the Spirit moving, you can do all kinds of things, right? We feel all kinds of things. But, but let me ask you a question. What is passion? A healthy church begins a consuming passion for God. In John 2 and 17, it says this, Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. In other words, Jesus here was speaking of passion for God and his presence in my life. Not a building, not a structure, not this edifice that we're sitting in this morning or the pews that you're sitting in. It was the joy. It was the relationship of Almighty God. It was his spirit that come in our life and stayed with us day in and day out. Listen, church, do you continually have passion in your life? Have you ever asked yourself, what is it going to take for me to lose my passion? The dictionary says that passion is an intense emotion. It's a strong feeling. It's a great devotion with an intense conviction which fills or motivates us toward a compelling action. In other words, if you've got a passion for something, you love Love doing it. When you've got a passion for anything, whether it's fishing or whether it's hunting or whatever the case may be, you love doing. A teacher is very good because they have a passion to teach. A A student is very good because they've got a passion for learning. And if you want to be good at something, you've got to do it with passion. Amen. You've got to do it with passion. Passion is the difference between enthusiastic action and simply going through the motions. Where are you going with this morning, Pastor? My fear is, is that we come to church week in and week out. And we go through the motions. We know when to raise our hand. We know when to jump up and down. We know when to say amen. But it's not with passion. Let me ask you another question. Can you serve God and not have passion? Just think about it. Can we serve God and not have passion? When you look in the Bible, the Bible uses this word for passion. It's called zeal. Zeal. The Greek word zeal is a fervent devotion to a cause. It's related to the word that's translated for us a fire, an enthusiasm, and a jealousness, and an earnestness. It burns within us, in other words. A person who possesses zeal has a fire in his bones that you cannot quench easily. Zeal can be used in a positive sense, but it also can be used in a negative sense. But in this case, what we're talking about, I want to tell you that you and I, as God's people, if we've lost our zeal, it's time to get our zeal back. If we've lost a purpose for God, we need to get our purpose back. If we've lost a passion that God that we started out with and we don't have it anymore we need a passion like never before in 2017 God let it you burn within our hearts as never before amen Amen. Romans 12 and 11 says this never be lazy in your work but serve the Lord enthusiastically Romans 10 and 2 I know what enthusiasm they have for God but it is misdirected zeal 2 Corinthians 7 and 11 just see what this godly sorrow produced in you such earnestness such concern to clear yourselves such indignation such alarm such longing to see me such zeal and such a readiness to punish the wrongdoer that you show that you have done everything you could to make things right 
positively and negatively. 2 Corinthians 9 and 2. For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to our friends in Macedonia that you Christians in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of them to begin helping in the first place. Philippians 3 and 6. And zealous? Yes, in fact, I harshly persecuted the church. And I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I never was I was never accused of any fault. And in Colossians 4 and 13, I can assure you that he has agonized for you and also for the Christians in Laodicea and Hierapolis. There's all kinds of ways we can have zeal. There's all kinds of ways we can be passionate. I want to tell you something. We are passionate about our work many times. We are passionate about our possessions many times. We are passionate about our favorite team. I mean, we'll hoop and holler, do all kinds of things about our favorite team. So why is it that many Christians today are so apologetic about being passionate for Jesus Christ? Why are we that way? We have a reason to live today. We've got a reason to shout today. We've got the good news today. We have the truth today. We know that Jesus Christ died for our sin. We know that his blood was shed, that we have life and have it more abundantly. We know that the stripes upon his back was for every affliction that we have. We know that he's our deliverer. We know that he's our soon coming king. We know that he said in his word, I've got to go away and I'm going away to prepare a place for you that one day, one day, one day soon, you're going to be with me in paradise. We know that the Lord is going to look at some of us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We know that we've got good news to share, so why are we so apologetic sometimes? If God were to say to us, if we had one gift to leave the church before we leave earth, what would it be? If we had one gift to leave the church body, what would it be? I hope it would be passion. I hope it will be passion. So let's dive into this a little bit this morning. Why do we we lack zeal? Why do we not have the passion that that we ought to have? Let me give you a few reasons this morning. The first thing is this. One of the reasons is because we've allowed something precious to become familiar. We've allowed something precious to become familiar. You know what familiarity is, right? Ordinary. Everyday. Everyday. Common. Let me give you an illustration. Marriages, that has gone dry because one or both couples have allowed the preciousness of the relationship to dry up. We've allowed relationships to dry up with one another. We've been serving possibility with no appreciation. We've been given pats, no pats on the back in a time that we grow cold and lose our passion. Our prayer life is, isn't where it needs to be and we lose our passion for our communion and our relationship with the Father. We begin to talk like we used to, go places that we used to. Church attendance gets less and less all because we lose our passion. The fire, in other words, is going out. And the greatest enemy or the greatest weapon that the enemy uses, Brother Adam, on us is this word, tomorrow. Anybody say that? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, tomorrow I'll take my kids to the park. Tomorrow I'll take my wife out on a date. Tomorrow I'll I'll take my husband out on a date. 
Tomorrow, if he's good, I'll let him know I love him. Tomorrow, I'll let him know. Tomorrow, I'll take my son fishing. Tomorrow, I'll pray. I'll tell you something. Don't let the unknowns of tomorrow steal the preciousness of today. Don't let it steal the preciousness of the day. And so sometimes we take the precious and we get too familiar with it. The second thing I think that sometimes steals our passion is the need for approval. The need for approval. Now, every one of us want to be loved. Every one of us want to be appreciated. We all want to be accepted by others. And, and if we want real passion, we've got to recognize that, that while passion draws some people, sometimes it will repel them away as well. It will repel them away. And a desire for popularity pours water on the fire of passion for God if we're not careful. If every time I get up to speak and every time I get up to sing and every time I do something, I've got to have all kinds of accolades and pats on the backs and all of these kind of things because I do what I do, then where is my service to God? Where is my relationship to God, right? Right? But I've known people that way. You can't get them to do nothing. You can't get them to use their ability. You can't get them to use their talent because nobody appreciates them. And so they sit back. Now, this is good preaching right here. I know it's quiet in the house, but it's good right here. I remember years ago, and I may have told this story before. I remember years and years ago, I was a teenager, was going to youth camp. Sister Sheena, Brother Dwayne, he's preaching somewhere else in Far City today. But in years and years ago, when Brother Cup and I was just teenagers. Matter of fact, Brother Cup was known as Choo Choo back in the day. I mean, I had, if I had some pictures up here, I could, man, I could, since he wasn't here, we could really highlight him. But I'm not going to do that to you. But I remember being in a youth camp in the cafeteria. And there was an old upright piano in that cafeteria. And at service time one night, there was this girl that got up to sing a song, a sing a special. She was a very pretty girl, very long hair, down to her waist. And she got up with this upright piano and she stood at the, at the upright piano. And I remember this as a, as a teenager growing up. And she sang the old song to God. Now get this. The irony of this, to God be the glory. That's the song she shows. It's a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. To God be the glory. I mean, really, if you have that bravetta or whatever that is, vibretto, I don't know what I'm saying. Whatever that is. It would, it's really good. But she, as she sang this song, she had her elbow up on the piano, resting her shoulder and her face at times, and she would take her hand and flip back her hair. And every time that she said, to God be the glory, this is what it would be. To God be the glory. And I'm thinking to myself, you need to sit down. Because the only glory you're trying to get is by, to yourself. And it was, I mean, it was very obvious. Very obvious. And sometimes the need for approval will rob us of our relationship with God. It'll pour a fire, it'll pour a water on the fire of passion. My passion and my hunger stays because of my relationship with Almighty God. 
What does that mean, Pastor? Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy you coming up and shaking my hand. I enjoy you patting me on the back. I enjoy you calling me from time to time. But let's get down to where we need to be. If you've never done anything like that whatsoever, I need to understand that I am serving not you. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He already paid the price for me. He already died on the cross of Calvary for me. And he and he alone is what I'm serving for. Amen. Amen. Nothing wrong with, a, with, 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 with uh, shaking somebody's hand. Nothing at all. Nothing wrong with, with just saying, boy, you've done an awesome job. Nothing wrong with that. But we've got to keep our focus where it needs to be. The need for approval. The third thing, I think, that robs us of our passion is a little word called apathy. Everybody say apathy. It means distant, without love. A don't care attitude. You ever had anybody like that in your path? A don't care attitude. People that have lost their first love. What, what's caused their hearts to beat faster now barely affects the pulse. Just barely beating. We fall into routine. We fall into ruts. Everybody know what a rut is, right? It's just a grave with both ends knocked out. And you're there. You can't get out of it. You're there. You cannot get out. And we become a routine about our faith. We become a routine about going to church. We don't deny Christ. We just demote him to a common place around our house. Uh-oh. We just have to, when we pick up the Bible, we just have to knock the dust off of it. We demote him to a common place. Apathy is not a state of mind. It's a condition of the heart. What are you passionate about? The fourth thing I think that affects us sometimes with our passion is this. People sometimes will affect you. What are you talking about? You've heard the expression, birds of a feather, they always what? You got it. It's the same, it's the same with people. Who are you hanging with? Who are you spending your time with? Be careful who you spend your time with because it will affect your walk with God. It will affect your walk with God. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say this to, to make you think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anybody special. I just want to draw a point here. Last couple of days around our community, we've done a little rummage sale thing, and people come, and they buy all, these, buy all this stuff, you know. But I found myself, Brother Sam, and everybody, almost everybody, not all of them, but almost everybody, I would ask them, it would be something driving Sister Sue within me. And I'm glad it did, but it, not, it, it used to not, not do that. Because we would, we would be embarrassed or we would be shy. But I found myself, Brother Todd, everybody coming by, I had to ask this question, where do you go to church? Every one of them. And I talked to them, where do you go to church? Someone would tell me where they go to church. And someone would say, well, we don't go to church. I said, well, we got a church right up the road here. Our pastor, I would love to have you come and be a part of our services. It was like a, 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 it was like a pushing force within me. It was like a driving force that you had to do that. Listen, people will affect you if you're not careful. Be careful who you hang with. When you take a red-hot poker out of the fire and throw it on a cold concrete floor, it slowly begins to go out. It loses the glow. And the question is, what happens then, Pastor, when passion is lost? What happens when passion is lost? You can turn to Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and you can read about that. Matter of fact, the scripture there says there was a church there that was a serving church. The Bible says, I know your deeds. There was a church there that was a sacrificing church. The Bible says, I know your hard work. 
The, 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 the scripture says there was a church there that was a steadfast church. And the Bible says, I know your perseverance. There was a church there that said it was a sanctified church. And the Bible says, you cannot tolerate wicked men. You've tested those who say that they're apostles and they are not. There was a church there that was a suffering church. And you've persevered, the Bible says. And you've endured many hardships. Then it said, but. All of these wonderful things. According to today's standards, this church was a now kind of church. It was a happening kind of church. It was a place that everybody wanted to be. It had all the right stuff going for him. What could God possibly see something wrong? What could be wrong with this church? And it seems the Ephesian church, they had the fire at one time, but they had let it grow cold, and they said, you've got all these wonderful things going for you, but you've lost or you left your first love. Now you think about that. Now, I hope I'm speaking to somebody here today. Because the truth of the matter, that's where we are today. We come week in and week out, and I'm glad that you do. We sing the songs, and we lift our hands, and we do all these things. We give in missions, and we give project offerings, and we pay our tithes, and we give other sacrificial offerings, and we do all these wonderful things for students and, and children, and all these wonderful things. And they're good. They're good, Brother Ronnie. But have we lost or have we left our first love? Have we left the Ephesian church here? They were doing all that too. Service is not the same as passion. And it's possible to serve God even in 2017 without passion. Because serving God out of a sense of duty, how many knows that can be draining on you? It can wear you out. Living for God out of legalism will zap the passion right out of you. Service alone will not produce passion. I don't care what you do. You cannot do enough to be saved. Or did you hear me? You can't do enough works to be saved today. The work has already been done for you. Jesus went on the cross already for you. And I serve him basically because I love him. I give of myself because I love him. I'm, I'm devoted unto him because I love him, not because of me doing anything for him. That's not what's going to get me into heaven. Living for God out of legalism, it'll zap the passion. So then how do I restore it? If I've lost it, what, how, do, how do I restore it, Pastor? The word of God repeats itself over and over again. The importance of maintaining a spiritual fire. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 warns the believer. He said, look, he says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. We all want to be on fire for God. We want to be on fire for God. How do we do it? By following the strategies for keeping the fire burning in our hearts. Amen. You've heard me tell this story before when me and dad used to hunt when I was small. And he would leave me in the, it was snow on the ground. And he would leave me on a tree and he would go off and I'd get cold. Man, I was about to freeze, slap to death. And I would take my gun and I'd shoot it. I'd shoot both barrels at that time. Because I knew it wouldn't take long for dad to come up. And dad would come up and say, what are you shooting at? And I said, I ain't shooting but not for nothing. I just want you up here so you can start a fire I'm cold boy I'm gonna get you get me after you start the fire but I gotta get warm first and if you want me to feel you get me let me feel it 
know what I'm talking about? We got to have a fire burning within us. Keep the fire burning. We want to be on fire for God. We follow those strategies. And the first thing you need to understand, every one of us, we need a fireplace. Everybody say fireplace. Pastor, where in the world are you going? We got to have a fireplace. First Timothy 2 says this. Paul, he's talking to young Timothy. He said, hey, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Stir it up. Everybody knows that a fireplace is a safe place to have a fire. You don't start no fire out in the middle of your living room floor in the wintertime. No, you put it in a fireplace if you've got one. We don't come in here on Sunday morning and, and on this communion table we have a bunch of logs set up and, and start a fire in the wintertime. No. We don't do that. That's not a safe place. But everybody knows that a fireplace is a safe place to have a fire. It's a place where you can put logs together and where they share each other's heat and they begin to burn with one another. Christians need a place where their passion can burn brightly each and every week, where their passion is encouraged, where their passion is a person that can inflame the passion of another person. And how many knows that the church of God is God's gift? The church is a gift of the fireplace for passionate Christians to join together every week, every time we come together so we can watch one another burn. Well, isn't that a little braggadocious, Pastor? Call it what you want to. But I'd rather you burn than be dead. Amen. I'd rather us burn. Let us be on fire this morning. Amen. He gave us the church as a fireplace, as a safe place to burn. Christians who are, who are living with passion for Christ in a world that resists that passion, they need the church. As I said earlier, sometimes weeks get long. Sometimes weeks get hard. Sometimes weeks get, get you know, I, I just got to get with God's people. I got to get with the people of Almighty God, the church where love for Christ is openly expressed. I just got to burn with somebody. Not only do we need a fireplace, we got to focus the fire. We got to focus your fire. Romans 10 and 2 says this, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it was misdirected zeal. And Paul here, he's talking about the Jews who had yet to receive Christ. They had passion, but it was just misdirected. They were doing things full of passion, but it was misdirected. They had received Christ, they did. They were doing good things, possibly. It was misdirected. One thing that I've noticed about passionate Christians is they like to have their hands on a lot of things. I want to slow down here just to, so that will just hit us a little bit. Passionate Christians don't know how to say no. You ask them to do something, yep. They may have 2,000 things they're doing that day, but they don't care. They just love doing something for Christ. And you're wearing them out. Now this is not in my notes, but this is good preaching ground right here. To help us. Good teaching ground, I should say. The church, <laughs> help me, Lord, here say this without offending somebody. The church wears a few out every week because they'll be the ones to do it. They'll be the ones to say, Yes, sir, Pastor, I'll do it. While 80% or plus or more. They just sit on the pew and, and watch you do it. Is that all right? The old stat was it was an 80-20 rule. 20% of the people does 80% of the work. That's actually went up a little bit. The 20% has went down. The 80% has went up. Really, I'm, 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 just, I'm not being funny here. 
That's, that's where we are today in, in, our, in our church. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about any denomination you want to go to. So where are we? Where's our passion then? If God has saved us from sin, Brother Mike, and, and he wants us to serve, we read about that in the Scripture, he wants us to serve, then why, why many times are we setting back? And here's another thing I found out. And, and, I, and I'm probably crossing a lot of, lot of lines here that maybe I shouldn't concerning church growth. But many times you're willing to do something. All you want is somebody to ask you to do it. Many people in the church are willing to do whatever, but they want you to ask them. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But what would happen? What would happen on Monday morning if everybody in this house, the balcony in this house, would be knocking at my office door at 8.30 on Monday morning and say, Pastor, I'm tired of waiting for you to ask me. This is what I'm going to do. And it's good stuff. Brother Joe, I'd probably have revival on Monday. I, I'm tired of waiting around, Pastor, for you to ask me to do something. The Lord laid on my heart to start a bus ministry. I'm starting one. Get that van ready to go. I'm bringing in these babies. I don't care how they smell. I don't care how they look. We bringing them in and we teaching Jesus to them. I don't want you to ask me, Pastor, I'm starting a CR ministry. We got some drug addicts and alcoholics. They need somebody and some place to go. Pastor, I'm tired of you waiting around and asking me to start a Hispanic ministry. Brother David, he done this. I just want to start one myself. Is that all right with you? Do you think I told him no? Mm -mm, I told you, that sounds good to me. What do you need? We'll give you a place to go. Brother Pastor, I'm tired of you waiting around and you're not calling no prayer meeting time. I feel like we need to pray. Well, I do too. Well, I'm starting a prayer team. I'm going to do it. You got any problem with that? No. I don't got no problem with people praying. You want me to turn the air on or what? You get my point? Passion, zeal, zeal for God. We gotta, but we've got to focus the fire. I've got to hurry here. The third thing is this. Fire, everybody knows this, that fire consumes. Fire consumes. You'll have to wrestle sometimes in the work with God with weariness. There's times you get tired working for God. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus pulled away from time to time. Jesus said, hey, let's go to the mountain. <laughs> We've got to rest. We've got to get away from the people. Wearisome, wearisome. And whether we like it or not, the fire of God, the fire that God has placed within inside of us, God uses to make a difference in this world. And we're consumed with that. And I think really that's what Jesus had in mind when he talked to us in Psalm 69 and 9 when he says, passion for God's house, it burns within us. It burns within us. David makes it more clear in Psalms 119. When he laments, he says this, my zeal wears me out. It wears me out. Passion, like fire, consumes. Christians, we, we got to fight the weariness that results from God-given passion. The Word of God gives us a clue as to what the cure is. Isaiah 40, verse 30, the Bible talked about even youths will become exhausted. Young men will give up. But the Bible says in Isaiah, but those that wait upon the Lord will find new strength. 
They'll fly high. They'll soar with wings of eagles. They'll run and they'll not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. Why? Because God knows how to bless us. God knows how to rest us. God knows how to take us down when we need to be taken down and pour back into us so that we can pour into others. Amen. And can I tell you something on a side note? If you don't have nothing to give, people's not going to receive nothing. You've got to receive your something from yourself, from Almighty God in order for you to give it out. Amen. And many times we work in God's house in depletion. We can't do that. Can't do it. Can't do it. We've got to get along with God at times. If Sister Val Peterson told me once, she's told me a thousand times every time I talk to her. Pastor, when have you got away for a day or two and just get along with you and God? I mean, she asked me that every time I talk to her. It's important for us to get along with God. The fourth thing is this. Fires need to be stoked from time to time. One of those habits is we've got to practice the habit of reevaluation on ourselves. It's a simple practice of just stopping at the end of the workday, so to speak. Stopping at the end of the week and recognizing the value of what you accomplished that week. Have you ever gone through weeks and you step back and say, I don't know what in the world I've done this week, but I'm wore out. <laughs> I, I don't have nothing tangible that I can put my hands on that I've done anything this week. And I'm wore out. We've got to reevaluate those things at the end of the day of completion of the task. We've got, to, we've got to take a moment to look at what we've accomplished. And I hope that that's what we can do here at Pathway. We've got to reevaluate ourselves. We've got to reevaluate our, our walk with God. We've got to reevaluate our building. We've got to reevaluate our structure from time to time. That's what keeps us moving along. Pastor, I don't want to change. Well, too bad. Sometimes we've got to change in order to move forward. Pastor, don't be so ugly. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to help us. We don't want to change our walk. We don't want to change our relationship. But there's some things we've got to change from time to time to keep moving forward. Amen. And thank God for giving us creativity. Thank God for giving us strength. Thank God for giving us accomplishment so that we can do our work in his name. How many knows that when you fight a fire, sometimes you get tired? Tending fires is exhausting. Take the opportunities to rest. After a strenuous day of ministry, Jesus gave a, a, a wonderful example. He said, come to the mountain and rest a while. It's important to remember because passionate people have a tendency to think that it is somehow more spiritual to burn out for Jesus than not burn out. And it ain't. I know that's not good English, but it ain't anyway. It's not spiritual for you to burn out for Christ. Take the time to rest. Take the time to eat right. Take the time to exercise in those things. Rest is essential to maintain a healthy spiritual, physical, and emotional lifestyle. The other thing I found out is this. Fire changes the surroundings all around us. It changes things. Determine that passion makes the difference in your life. Because when you've got passion, a Christian without passion is like a river without water. Passion energizes you. It energizes your Christian walk. Passion gives you a focus of life. And without the passion of Almighty God in our lives, we'll lead a dull, existing, draining, existing life. Passion is one of those ways that God will empower you each and every day of your life. Romans tells us, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Well, pastor, I don't do a whole lot. Well, that's fine, but keep doing it anyway. God will grow you. God will strengthen you. Passion for God, it'll protect you from doing wrong. 
It'll protect you from going the wrong direction. My passion to please him, it causes me to simply say no to those temptations that come my way. And not only that, but you already know this, but let me tell you anyway, you want to hang around passionate people. You need to associate yourself with passionate people. Fire needs to be fed in order to keep growing. If that's true that people will affect how we live and walk, then it's true that if we'll spend time with people who are passionate about the Lord, it'll cause your heart to grow bigger and brighter each and every day. Amen. Don't you just like getting along with people and just talking with them about the Lord? I met a guy yesterday, didn't meet him, I've already known him, who was a pastor here locally. If I give you his name, some of you may know him. But we stood in the parking lot, I mean the driveway, just talking about the Lord, talking about the goodness of Jesus. Why do you do that, Pastor? Because it burns us along. It serves us along. It spurs us along. It wants us to know more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1 says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now, Paul said, it lives in you too, Timothy. It lives in you. So associate yourself with passionate people. And the last thing is this, we need to pray for passion today. We need to pray for passion. God's fire is a gift. 2 Timothy 1 and 6, fan into flame the gift of God which is already in you. How would Timothy do this? He would simply do this by prayer. Colossians says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant about it. Don't give up on it, in other words. Go ahead and pray anyway, earnestly and fervently and vigilantly. These words speak, every one of these words, speak of the passion of Almighty God. And anything worthwhile, any good thought whatsoever, any inspiration for songs and poems and music, any concern for people comes through prayer. Amen. The musicians come this morning. Let me remind you of this one thing as we close. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your life. Not only that, but let me take a step farther. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your ministry. Let me just step on out there. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your marriage. Amen. Say, Pastor, I thought you was talking about passion. You done jumped on the husbands and wives. Well, you may need to hear this this morning. But prayer is the key to restoring your marriage. I, when I say this, don't take this wrong. Counseling is good, but it ain't going to fix you every time. Dates are wonderful, and they're needed, but it ain't going to fix you all the time. Mm-mm, ain't going to do it. They're good, and you need to do it. Going and talking to your girlfriend is good, but it ain't going to fix your marriage. Boy, since I'm already out there, let me really step out there. Going to talking to your coworker about your husband or about your wife and they being the opposite sex because they listen so well ain't going to fix your marriage. But pastor, they're a Christian. I don't care what they are. Now I know that's hard right there. But you listen to me. I can't tell you how many marriages have been broken up today because a husband or a wife will go talk to a Christian brother or sister. And one thing leads to another. 
You don't need to talk to that brother. You need to talk to God. You need to find somebody that you and your wife and you and your spouse can go talk to. A counselor, a friend, whatever the case. But you need to talk to God. But here's the key. You want the key? Prayer. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your relationship. I'm going to close with this. John Wesley. He was, somebody asked him one time, said, hey, Brother Wesley, what is the secret of your ministry? This is what he said. He said, in praying early in my Christian walk, I asked God to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. You think about that. I asked God to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. My prayer this morning for you. My prayer for this church. My prayer for my life and my wife's life and our family and even your family is to ask God, God, set us on fire so people can watch us burn. And Lord, when you set us on fire, let it burn in our soul, setting a blaze, and let people watch us burn. Now, you know what that means, don't you? If God sets you on fire, some of y'all ain't going to like this. If God, Brother Sam, sets us on fire, he's going to burn out some stuff that doesn't need to be there. He's going to take care of some stuff that we've had existing and living, some old brush, stuff we've just swept away, stuff we've just pushed aside and not dealt with. Boy, this is a good preaching here. <laughs> Brother Rain's just going to burn it. Going to burn it. I guess they do this in other places, but in South Mississippi, at one, there would be times they'd set the underbrush on fire in the woods at certain times. It wouldn't burn the big trees, the big pine trees, but it would burn, Brother Rains, all of that old growth, that old underbrush that hindered the growth of the tree. And once they burned all that unnecessary stuff out, the trees would shoot up. They would, foliage would kick out on them and pine needles and all of these things and pine cones. I'm going to tell you, there's some of us today that God needs to set on fire with our underbrush. He needs to take care of some stuff that we've just not dealt with in a while. And when he does that, I promise you, we'll have passion. We'll have passion to burn within us. And we'll have zeal like we had at one time in our life. Got to do a new thing. Got to do something new and fresh that we need in our life. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, very quickly, I want to ask you this morning, where are you? Where are you today? Are you on fire? Are you burning for God? Do you have passion for the Lord? Does it consume you? When you get around somebody maybe that you just met, is there something on the inside that just says, ask him about, ask him about God? Ask him about church. Testify to him about the goodness of Jesus. Is it a driving force in your life? I hope you're hearing me and understanding. I'm not saying you've got to go out there and embarrass yourself. That's not what I'm saying. 
But when opportunity is given, do you take it? Do you listen to the voice of God? Do you try to follow His example? Do you try to follow His word? Say, Pastor, I understand exactly what you're saying. I understand passion. But somewhere along the way, I've lost mine. It's not that I'm not saved. I believe I am saved, but I've lost my zeal. I've lost my passion. If that's you, would you just get up and come to this altar? Would you just get up out of your seat and just come and just, you can stand, you can kneel. I want my passion back. I want my passion back. I want the love for God to flow in me as never before. I want His anointing. I want His Spirit to flood my soul as never before. Is something missing in your life today that you need Him? Is something missing that you just need His passion to restore you yet one more time? As Brother Caleb and them were singing earlier about the fire of God, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord, with more of You. Do you just want more of Him? Do you want more of Him this morning? If you're here and you're saying that, then why don't you just get up and come down to these altars?